Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. And I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. So Anne, I had the funniest conversation with my nephew, Adam, about three days ago. And given some of your dating adventures, I thought you would get a kick out of <laughs> Miss this. Adventures. <laughs> Probably a better way to say it. So he is in the midst of dating. He is such a super nice guy, as you know, and he really wants to meet somebody. Mm-hmm. And so we're chatting about it. And I don't remember what I said. And he says, well, dating was so much easier for your generation. <laughs> <laughs> And I started laughing and I'm like, you know, I'm not sure dating is easy for any generation. He's like, no, no, it was so much easier for your generation because you didn't have to deal with all these apps. Mm. And I proceeded to mm, take him down a little bit of a history lesson. (laughs) Memory lane. (laughs) Memory lane and a history lesson and explained to him that when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, I joined a video dating service called Great Expectations. What in God's name is a video dating service? So it's funny you should ask because when we were prepping for this episode, I found an article that was just written in 2021 about Great Expectations, and it referred to it as the precursor to the apps we have today. It was a very labor-intensive way of looking at pictures and watching videos. So the way it worked is you gave them a lot of money. They took pictures of you and you could add your own pictures. And then they recorded you on a 20 minute video asking you questions and you'd go in and there'd be all these big tables. It was in Westwood in LA. So it was a major hassle to park. So wait, hold on. You keep saying you would do this and you would do that, but I really think this is a I was doing this, Sherry Essig. Is this true? (laughs) This is true. Yes. Yes. And this is me explaining to Adam. And the funny thing is, I would go in, I would pull these big binders off the shelves. You'd be able to pick up a little sheet if anybody wanted to connect with you. You'd watch these videos. And the funny thing about it is it was incredibly time-consuming. And so I was trying to sell him on the fact that I'm not sure it was easier. Everybody I know who's dating finds it challenging, found it challenging, but it was a pretty hilarious conversation. And I know you have some perspective. I will tell you, when you were sort of uh, driving and trying to park at Westwood, it was probably right about the same time that I was tripping down gaily. Boulevard, I think. I don't remember. In Westwood, because I was a student at UCLA at the time, you were probably visiting Great Expectations. What was that Great, what was expectations. Great Expectations. I can't even keep it in my head. It's so funny. <laughs> I just, and the reason Gailey Boulevard is because that's where the fraternities were. So there is something to be said about, and I don't know if this is an age or an era thing or both, but there is something to be said about, at least when I was younger, there would be some sort of combination of going out, having a couple drinks, maybe making a bad decision or two and sort of figuring it out later. Right. And what I would say is neither is easy because I'm sort of, not that I ever had the pleasure of great expectations and what a pleasure it was. (laughs) (laughs) 
but I, you know, I was married for about 15 years. So I kind of came on to the app dating scene late. So in my mind, what happened to the show up at a bar, (laughs) talk up some folks and then figure it out. Right. Which doesn't mean that it's either easier or harder. I mean, in some ways the dating apps give you so many choices that it's pretty easy to be a little pessimistic. And I sometimes describe looking for guys on the dating apps like shopping for shoes, right? And it's more about saying no to things than saying yes to things. If you're not X feet tall with this kind of education and you know, blah, 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 it's pretty easy to say no. Or actually, if I'm being really honest, the real ways I discern is if you are holding a fish and or in a wife beater, then pretty much I'm swiping left. But the point to all that is that more choices or fewer choices, driving to Westwood or tripping down Gailey Boulevard in Westwood, none of it is really easy. And when we started thinking about this episode, I think it was Sherry because I had just come off of a pretty bad date. I had agreed to meet somebody on the on the ski slopes as a date. I was very honest with this person that I'm not a strong skier and this was my first day out and I wanted to take it kind of easy and Let's just say he was an excellent skier and didn't have a ton of patience, first of all. And oh, fun. Sec- yeah, it was delightful. Black diamonds and moguls on my very first run. Yay. The other thing I would say, and this is not supposed to be a dating advice episode, but if there are any single guys listening, you know, the other thing I would say is this particular guy was really fond of talking about himself and had very little interest in finding much out about me. So all of this is to say, whether you meet somebody in a bar at great expectations or on an app, none of it is easy. And while we were thinking about this episode, it all came from this, for our listeners, Sherry got a whole lot more details about that date. But anyway, it all came from me, like kind of rushing in from this date, like, oh my God, it was so terrible. And we were supposed to be talking about the podcast. And I think we ended up talking about dating for like 45 minutes. And we thought, how could we turn this into an episode? And you really said it, Sherry. I mean, part of the reason why this works, we hope, we'll see how you react, dear listeners, is because we think dating is analogous to a lot of things that we have to do in life. Yeah. It's interesting because something you just said, I would add to the list of things we talked about as being analogous, which I'll mention in a second, but you made the comment about so many choices. And I think back to being in that room in on Westwood Boulevard and so many choices, and there's a ton of research out there that too many choices is a bad thing. That it is a little paralyzing, or you just quickly decide just to get it over with. There's some research on ice cream stores. What's the optimal number of choices? <laughs> and so I'll just say, in that way, it's also analogous to life on what happens when you have too many choices. But some of the ways we talked about when we were preparing for the episode is dating also means you have to be kind of vulnerable. When you're dating, you make a choice on how authentic you're going to be or how authentically you're going to show up. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I love how you just said that because I would love it if I brought enough consciousness 
to that. Like, oh, I'm going to make a choice on how authentic. But I think actually what happens is we get all wrapped up in the outcome. Why do people date? Like, I really want to find love or I really want a partner or I really, you know, whatever. And so we become a little inauthentic because we're trying to impress or trying to, what would they like? Which of again, not a dating show, well, kind of, is the number one way not to really be able to either find a date or find other things in life that you may be seeking. So really focusing on authenticity is really important. And so I love how you said choosing how authentic you're going to be, because I'm going to put out there, whether we're talking about dating or other things that in this analogous in life thing that we're talking about, like interviewing or anytime you have the potential of being judged in some way or something is new, something you haven't done before or whatever. But here's the deal. And the reason I paused or stopped you is because I really think choosing to be our most authentic self is actually sort of the best way to ensure success, whether we're talking about dating or talking about interviewing or talking about anything else that we might try new in life. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's funny. This is also not an episode about my nieces and nephews, but <laughs> it, it just makes me think about my niece, Adam's older sister. I wrote an article when she was 16. She just turned 29. So this was a long time ago. And it was called what success and teenage dating have in common. And really teenage didn't even need to be in there because I ended up having this conversation with her. She actually initiated a conversation about boys with me when she was 16. Nice part about not being the mom. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But part of the conversation with her was around, I don't, I don't know if she took any of it in actually, but was really around how tempting it is when there's a cute boy you like to show up the way you think he wants you to be, right? Or show up as the person you think he would like. And I think that's very consistent with what you're saying is any situation we're in, right? As you said, we're we're being judged or we're either going to be picked or not picked, which would be an interview situation, is the more attached you are to the outcome the more vulnerable you feel and the more vulnerable you feel, the harder it is to actually be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's right. And yet it's this trap, right? Of let me be something I'm not because I'm feeling vulnerable. And yet that is exactly the wrong idea. What, what exactly is the right idea is to show up and be authentically yourself. I mean, I think the other thing that we really talked about when we were thinking about this episode is is how important it is to stay open to possibilities. And I think that's the other thing that the apps take away from us. Okay, I just called you out on this, so I'll I'll correct myself. I, when I'm (laughs) looking on the apps, I, like I mentioned a moment ago, I'm very quick to say no, nope, 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 nope. And what in essence, is happening is I'm taking away the possibilities, the the magic that might happen. We were talking about, you and I got into a little bit of a discussion about, well, shopping, right? Because those of you that listen know this isn't the first time we've talked about shopping and how if I'm on, for instance, Zappos, I'm typically looking for a brown boot with a pointy toe and a two-inch heel or whatever. My, my point is I have something very specific. When you and I are out 
shopping in the wild, in the real world, there might be a fabulous pair of purple boots. And I might think, how could possibly those purple boots work in my closet? Let me just try, right? There's an, I'm an open to the possibility. And so there's something here with life about not always being open to these possibilities because, and maybe it's the same thing like you were saying a moment ago, there are these, if I swipe left, there'll be another dude behind that guy, right? But it's very easy to get shut down to the potential and to the the opportunity for possibility. Right. I want to go back to something you just said about the purple boots. That was really, really brilliant because I'm imagining the shoe store as a party <laughs> and you see the purple boots and they catch your eye. So you're going to do the equivalent of chatting, right? You try the boots on. <laughs> all of a sudden it's like, I like these boots. These boots are really cute. Hmm, not sure I have anything in my closet they're going to go with, but you know what? I bet maybe they will. And it is really analogous to when you meet somebody and you have the chance to maybe engage in one purpley thing, if you will, <laughs> it opens you up to those possibilities. And so it's just following up on your comment on possibilities that when you're so focused on the pointy-toed brown boot with the two-inch heel, you're not even looking at anything else. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I, I did date somebody earlier this year that I probably wouldn't have started dating. And while in the end it didn't work out, uh, we had a sort of a, a brief but kind of fun little romance, but I probably wouldn't have engaged with him because he didn't meet these other criteria I had in my head, right? But I sort of had a purple boot moment because we had something else in common that I wanted to chat with him about. And so we started engaging in conversation about this other thing and we deepened into our friendship and then eventually relationship. And again, ultimately it didn't work, but at least I gave it a shot, right? Like I, at least I sort of stepped out on the ledge a little bit to try. And I think it's sort of like the purple boot thing. Like, okay, I'm not looking for this kind of person, but all of a sudden we're having a really good conversation. And so I sort of unlocked a possibility because I was willing to look past some other things that normally wouldn't have been something that would have attracted me to a guy like that. Right. I think we should trademark the phrase purple boot philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag purple boot. Exactly. <laughs> Soon to be trending on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So taking it back again to other things in life, and now I'm really enamored with hashtag purple boot philosophy <laughs> is it's interesting to think about all the ways in life that, I mean, in a way, and I know I'm interrupting myself, but in a way it's a bit of having blinders on. This is what I do. This is what I read. This is the music I listen to. These are the people I hang out with, or these are the people I have stuff in common with. And it's just interesting to think about what if we had a practice which was just looking at things a little bit more widely or broadly? Mm, I love that. Yeah. And so it's almost like we self-edit ourselves out of opportunity, right? I'm on Zappos and I'm not only just looking at brown shoes, I'm only looking at brown boots. And now I'm only looking at brown boots with a pointy toe. And now I'm only looking at brown boots with a two-inch heel. And yet what other <laughs> fabulous 
purple boots might I be missing because I've edited myself down so far. And if you think about the kinds of jobs you might interview for or sorts of neighborhoods you might think about living in or where you might consider going on your next vacation, like all of these things, we often seek some sort of sense of familiarity And part of, I think, what we're suggesting is, is be open that there might be a different kind of perspective, a different way to look at things. It just made me think about a client that I have that literally is happening as we speak, who has been doing a job search and has been in a specific industry for 25, 30 years and had been interviewing in that industry right? Because that's where all her expertise is. And she's an HR professional, but always in that industry. And she's just not been thrilled with the jobs that she has been interviewing for. And she actually decided, what the heck? I'm super interested. I'm not going to name the company, but I'm super interested in this company that's in a radically different space, got on LinkedIn, found a fairly senior person, sent them a LinkedIn message, and she's had like a half a dozen conversations with various C-level people there, and they want to hire her. I mean, this is amazing. I I have a very similar story. A friend of mine in adjacent field, always in talent acquisition, recruiting, and she is now looking at a marketing job. Now, it's for a talent acquisition piece of software. And so it's not a super big stretch, but there was a part of her that was like, should I even, am I even qualified? And yet to be seen if it's going to be successful or not, but how amazing that she's gotten very far down the path. She's learned a ton about herself. She's making herself stretch a bunch, right? And all of these, because she didn't limit herself to the pointy brown boots, right? Like she decided she was going to broaden the aperture and look a little wider. Right. She went for the purple boots. Yes. (laughs) And she's totally qualified. I mean, you have done what you do in a number of different industries. That's right. Right. She is totally qualified. But I think this idea that I've been in this industry for so long, this is where I am most likely to have connections and be hired and to realize I don't really want to be in this industry anymore. Yeah. Right. But I'm going to have to put myself out there. And that is what she did. She just put herself out there and like, you just couldn't script a better outcome. Yeah. So first of all, she took a risk. She stepped out on that ledge and like the Indiana Jones scene where he has to step out, not knowing if the floor will rise up to him. And it ultimately does. So she steps out on that ledge. She clearly had to be her authentic self right? She had to sort of say like, look, I may not know a ton about this particular industry, but here's what I do know, as opposed to trying to pretend like she did know something, like she wouldn't have been successful. And she took some risks, right? She started just messaging people she didn't even know and asking if they'd be willing to have a conversation with her. And I I think that this, this really applies. I mean, we started talking about dating and now we're really talking about job hunting and interviewing, but it can apply really broadly in in a lot of different aspects of our life. It can. And I just want to say one more thing about her because there was also this moment of serendipity, which is they had just made the decision that they wanted to elevate their HR function. 
And so the other thing about putting yourself out there is you open up the possibility for serendipity as well. That's right. If you assume you already know what's happening, then, you know, it's sort of like that episode we just had, staying open and having a really curious mind. And and then the possibilities are endless, as opposed to if you think you already know, then the possibilities are few, right? Right. So we were starting to talk about other areas and how important it is to stay open to the possibility, be your authentic self, and be willing to take risks. And I think this can apply in so many things, right? Starting something new, trying something different. I'm now I'm considering a move to a different part of the state and I won't really know that many people, right? And so I'll have to really stay open to possibilities in order to establish some roots there and meet people and try new things. Or otherwise I would kind of just stay stuck where I am and I, I know I don't want to be here. I have to be willing to step out a little bit in order to make that happen. Well, I think you just said another really useful word, which is otherwise you have to stay stuck. And this is also so applicable to any situation you feel stuck in, is normally when I feel stuck, I'm also feeling vulnerable. It's like, why am I stuck? I know how to solve problems. I'm not afraid to make a decision. And yet I get stuck, I sure as much as the average person, right? I don't think I have any magic unstuck fairy dust that I'm sprinkling (laughs) over myself all the time. And so anything you are stuck in requires you to recognize, yes, if I'm going to get unstuck, I have to get out of my comfort zone. That feels vulnerable. If I'm going to get unstuck, I'm going to have to take the first step. I'm going to have to let go of my attachment to what should come next. And so I really think this is applicable to any time anyone is feeling stuck. So Cher, I love what you're saying. And I think that this is really good advice, like what we've been saying kind of across the spectrum of things in life. So one of the things that we typically do when we are wrapping up with a guest is we ask them if they have any advice for their younger self. And so I'm curious if you have any advice for your younger dating self. But this is not really fair because we usually tell our guests ahead of time that this question is coming. I just surprised Sherry with it. I think I would break that into two pieces of advice I would give to myself. One would be specifically around dating and one is a little broader, but fairly similar advice. I think around dating, I would say to my much younger self, (laughs) you're going to meet the right person when you meet the person who thinks you are really awesome. Mm, God, I love that. Right. That's how you're going to know it's the right person. Don't worry about if, oh my gosh, I wonder what's wrong with me because X, X, or X. Right. So that would be my dating advice. I think my broader advice, still in this same genre, in the same dating is analogous to so many things in life, my broader advice would be don't try to avoid getting uncomfortable. Oh, I love that. So hard to do, but I think that is really, really great advice. Yeah, in general. So, of course, because it's only fair (laughs) and you had time to prep, so kind of not fair. But what advice would you give your younger self on this topic? 
I think I'll I'll broaden it a little bit as well and come back to where we started when we were talking about <laughs> was it worse for Adam or worse for you? <laughs> and it, it's the younger self, but it's also myself right now. And I think that that is whether there's a ton of options or a few. I want to really encourage me to stay open to the possibility of magic and the possibility of the alchemy of the purple boots or the hot dude. Oh, I so love the word alchemy. Alchemy (laughs) and serendipity, two of my absolute favorite words. And I love that you're giving that advice, not just to your younger self, but to your current day self. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to go on record and say... Whatever dude it ends up being is going to be one heck of a lucky dude. Well, I appreciate that. We're taking applications here at Flowing at East and West. Just kidding. So any last suggestions you have for our listeners about, is there a next step that we're recommending or just to take in the episode and find what's applicable to you, listener? What would you say, Anne? I mean, I think we've talked about it. I really think it's that taking the first step that's often the scariest, really being your authentic self, staying open and realizing how difficult vulnerability can be, that it's really the unlock for so much meaning in your life. And then mashing that all together and sort of not being attached to the outcome, which is probably the hardest bit, right? Because after I've I've mixed that wonderful cake batter of all these different ingredients. I want it to be a certain way, but really to me, the alchemy of the purple boots or the hot dude is being open to it, not looking like what I really expected it to look like. Yeah. I think that's just a really beautiful sentiment. And I think that's a good note to wrap up the episode. Uh, We really hope you enjoyed it and would love if you would share our podcast with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes or post it to your own social media. We've talked about vulnerability and authenticity. So we'll put links to episodes in the show notes because we've done an episode on both of those topics. And please join us next time for Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life.